Hello everyone, welcome back to Spill the Bee. Today is our final episode of season one and we're joined by a very special guest, a KBS alum, Sarah, and she is also an AMBA award nominee. So I'll let her introduce herself, Sarah, if you'd like to go ahead. Hi, so I'm Sarah um, uh, and I have a zero waste business down, in, down here in sunny Devon. So I have two zero waste stores, refill stores called uh, Nourish. Um, and I graduated a few years ago now from the MBA. Um, and it's basically what led me, led me to be where I am now. That's absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, so you have zero waste stores called Nourish. Would you like to explain um, a little bit more in detail about what they are and how, how you came up with the business idea? Yes. Yeah, so a zero waste store is um, basically a shop where you can buy food and home items without any plastic packaging. So particularly for food and store cupboard ingredients, people bring their own containers to fill up. So we have a whole range of dried foods and tea and coffee, olive oil, and um, a whole range of cleaning products, um, shampoos, conditioners, things like that. So, you know, the basics that you buy in a supermarket, essentially, but you can mm-hmm. refill your own containers. And then a whole range of eco-friendly alternatives for um, things that we normally use at home, toothbrushes and beauty products and scourers and all that kind of, you know, all the fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it's all like eco-friendly, all sustainable products. It is. Yeah. We put quite a lot of research into the products. So to make sure that um, we provide something so that the customer doesn't have to research it themselves. They know that anything they come in and buy, they can trust our research, which has Definitely. been really important. Yeah. That's amazing. That's honestly where the world is headed. And I think that is definitely the future. You know, we are looking for zero waste stores where people don't have that much of a carbon footprint. And yes. that's absolutely amazing. Um, have you always been an environmentalist, a uh, person who targets sustainability? Um, yes. Well, in and out, really. My background's in environmental science. So my degree and my doctorate are both environmental science based. Mm-hmm. And then I taught science, secondary science for 15 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, lived in, um, I taught in Dover, uh, lived just outside Canterbury. And it was when I was teaching that my environmental focus kind of had a bit of a backseat because we were living, my husband and I both living very, very busy lives. Mm -hmm. And convenience was king. (laughs) So it wasn't until I, I finished teaching and started the MBA that drove me to think a little bit harder about the life we had been living for the last at that point probably six or seven years mm-hmm. and to change what we were doing it was around about the same time as well as the blue planet with the first yes. real mass acceptance that there were some major issues with plastics and the way we were living and it was a wake-up call for me so yeah it was it was a reintroduction into my environmental roots that's amazing um i really want to touch on some of the points that you raised I think convenience is king for most people nowadays we all live such busy lives we kind of forget our environmental impact and our carbon footprint Um, we focus a lot on what can we get quickly so you know you go to your supermarkets and there's so much waste packaging you know you have as a student I know like we have bins and bins of like waste that could have all just been avoided if we had stores like yours like zero waste stores yeah yeah and I think as well you're kind of 
you're dictated to is in terms of the amounts that you want to buy. Mm-hmm. We have, we sell we have quite a strong student contingent actually in my customer base, and we have a strong old age pensioner contingent in my customer base, and they have one thing in common is that actually they don't want to buy large amounts of food every time. They're on a budget. They want to buy what they need, not necessarily what the supermarket tells them that they want. So uh, it's really useful. We had um, a guy come in the other week and he just bought exactly the right amount of spices to oh make God. a korma for his girlfriend for the first <laughs> time. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> you know, he, you know, you, he spent about, you know, a pound 50 or something on spices and ground almonds and bits and pieces. Whereas if he'd gone to the supermarket, he'd have had to buy full jars and he would have had to buy a whole packet of ground almonds. So it's just uh, for him, it may, means it's more affordable for him to be able to buy foods as he exactly. goes along. Yeah, that I didn't even think of it that way, because in my mind, we're just so conditioned to buy like big packets, you know, that'll last you a while. When in stores like this, you could just buy what you need and just yeah. go back. That's amazing. Um, Do you find that it's cheaper and more economical for people to do that because you don't have any packaging? Um, In some respects, I mean, some of our food is more expensive because our supply chains are ethical. Uh, I always, um, but over, if you buy probably 10 items, it would end up cheaper than buying those 10 items in the supermarket on average. Mm -hmm. Some, we we don't overprice things because they're popular. So there's quite a lot of, like herbs and spices as a particular example, Mm -hmm. where you really pay over the odds for those in the supermarket. And they increase their margins because nobody really knows how much they cost. They can get away with it. They will charge what people are willing to pay. And then other items uh, like pasta, for example, or rices, ours are a little bit more expensive because they're ethically sourced. Mm -hmm. And I do wonder sometimes it's not about whether our items, how come yours is more expensive? So how come your rice is more expensive? And I say, well, how come theirs is so cheap? Mm -hmm. Because if you're, the, that that difference is taken up somewhere and it's usually right back at the beginning at the farmers level they're the yes. ones who are suffering to enable cheap pricing so uh, you know things cost what they cost I completely and, if, understand and if they're cheap then someone's suffering for it somewhere exactly you're getting what yeah. you're paying for basically yeah um, and I, I'm from a South Asian background so I'm from Pakistan and majority of the spices in the world do originate from you know the Indian subcontinent basically the South yeah. Southeast Asia and I, I know like back home we used to have markets where they had massive bags uh, not bags like sacks of spices out in the street and like street vendors and you'd go in and they'd like bag it up for you exactly how much you want and you could tell they were fresh but they were also cheap because it was coming directly from the farmers yeah. it wasn't coming from you know massive corporations so yeah. that's really really good so um why do you think it's better to shop local and not global? Well, I think, well, we're all global shoppers. Obviously, mm-hmm. we don't produce the spices in the UK. So quite a lot of our foods are imported. But I think there's a big difference in shopping small or shopping indie rather than contributing to uh, global conglomerates, which yes. a lot of the supermarkets are part of and a lot of brands are part of. Because when you're shopping local, you're putting money back into your small local economy and driving a a local economy. I think uh, globalization has been phenomenal in terms of, you know, China is now our manufacturing base of the planet, to be fair. And it does mean that things are, 
in some ways more efficient, but in other ways, it means that it, things are less personal, things are less individual, and you don't get the same kind of experience. One of the things people love about coming into my shop is it's really friendly and I know my customers and there's a human contact. You can go through a supermarket now and not speak to a single person for your whole shop. Whereas when you come into small independent shops, we know your preferences, we have a conversation. It's, I just think it's better for everyone's mental health and the awareness. And that <laughs> we, we, I learn from my customers and they learn from us. It's an interactive educational experience for everyone. And I just think that's really important. I absolutely love that. That's so true, especially after the pandemic. These yeah. social interactions are so important. I think we kind of took them for granted until we were landed in a position when we didn't have these types of social interactions. Um, yeah. I, I know it's a weird comparison, but like to me, this sounds like something like when I'd go into a Lush store and everything's out on display and have a nice conversation with the people working there that show me different things. And it, it sounds like that, you know, you'd go and you have a nice conversation, you chat about the uh, products that you have and yeah, that's yeah. meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. And things like, so um, quite a, there's quite a few people who are a little bit dismissive of the plastic free movement per se, mm -hmm. in terms of individuals making changes. George Monbiot is a classic example, says we're all kind of messing around on the edges um, mm -hmm. and there's a lot more that needs to be addressed. And there is a lot more that needs to be addressed. But I feel like one person buying their washing up liquid refill isn't going to change the world, but lots of people doing it drives a we're kind of shaking the system from the inside Definitely. very quietly, very determinedly. And because that's happening, you can see supermarkets now trying to um, incorporate zero waste solutions or refill options in the supermarkets. Five years ago, there was no way they'd even contemplate that. And yeah. it's because there's a change in consciousness. And I think the change in consciousness is more important than each individual action. And a con change in consciousness means that that change percolates all the way up to the uh, industries that can make a difference. 100%. It's, it's small people driving small change that leads to big things. Yeah, I think exactly. That's really, really important. And I think there has been a massive societal shift recently as well towards people actually being more aware of the environmental issues that we face. Climate change is a very, very real thing. And there are people that are dismissive of it, but... I think it, the newer generations slowly are waking up to the fact that it is something that go, they're going to have to deal with in their lifetime. And I, from even from my own friends, we've all kind of awoken and realized, okay, what, what little changes can we make in our daily routines and our daily lives that might have a bigger impact, you know, as a collective? Yeah. Um, in my degree, we, I focused a lot on sustainability and environment. Uh, focused in the business world because I did business and management so a lot of the things that I researched I found this specific like article and it was backing up a lot of different research articles but it stated that people are willing to pay a lot more money for sustainability now than ever before and yeah it speaks volumes because even though things might be more expensive we know that they're coming from an ethical uh, supply chain they're also coming from you know an ethical base that an ethical business that focuses on sustainability. So you want to pay for those things. You get, as I said, you get what you pay for. So it's really amazing what you're doing. Yeah, and I think as well, I mean, companies who are persisting in unsustainable practices, the whole point is they're unsustainable. 
So if if you're continuing to go down this, you know, route of non-ethical, non-environmentally friendly, you're essentially damaging the root of your own supply chain. And it will eventually, that will be commercial suicide because we cannot, the earth cannot sustain that kind of consumption and that kind of treatment in the future. And we get lots of young families in because I think parents who have young children particularly are thinking, well, my children are going to grow into this world. And at some point they're going to turn around in 10, 15, 20 years time and say, mum, what did you do? You knew yeah. all of all of, it was. I mean, this information has been around for years and years and years. And people are going to ask us, what did you do when you knew? And we're going to have to be answerable for our actions. 100%. And majority of the world is going to be silent because they haven't done anything. Well, help. this is yeah. This is it. This is it. I think there's a, it's becoming less acceptable to be not doing anything. 100%. I completely agree with that. And it's really, really lovely to see that point of view. And sometimes, you know, you you forget it in the busyness of life. But just hearing you say that actually reminds me as well, like, what am I doing? What am I going to answer to my kids in the future? Yeah. And I have, um, one of my customers came in last week and she said, every pound I spend, with every pound that's spent, you're making a statement about the kind of future that you want for your yourself and your children. Yeah. So every pound you spend is 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 a statement, and exactly. you just have to think about what statement that you're trying to make. Hundred percent. And we we forget sometimes as consumers we have the power. Yeah. So we have the power to make the change, and we should we should be the ones leading it. Um, I've seen a lot of these zero waste stores pop up all around the country. You said you own two stores. Um, do you mind just saying where, which locations they're in? Are they in Devon? Yeah, of course. So um, I have one in Exeter on a lovely uh, independent street called Magdalen Road yeah. in Exeter. And I have one in Ashburton, which is just uh, on the south edge of Dartmoor. So two that stores. Yeah, um, we opened... Um, off. I did have three stores so the first store I opened was in a town called Topsham where I was mm-hmm. living at the time um, and we were that was probably one of the first half dozen of this type of store in the UK unfortunately we've now closed that store a lot of things have happened the pandemic and changes within the town that meant that that kind that it wasn't sustainable to keep that open as a business anymore but and you know business is business isn't it it in the end so I'd rather have two thriving stores than two stores that are kind of propping up something that's not necessarily working in that place and that time at the you know at the moment so but it's really encouraging to have gone from people coming and saying nobody's ever going to bring their own containers people just thought I was being a bit mad Mm -hmm. setting this kind of shop up and now there's over 500, maybe 600 stores across the country. So it's really encouraging that it's it's something that's taken off. And most, the vast majority of those stores are independently owned by exactly. people who are essentially activists who might not, you know, we're all learning about retail together. And mm-hmm. you know, there's a big support network. And, and that's how I think it, it should be. 
hundred percent. That's a, that's truly amazing. Independent stores are the way forward. You know, again, shopping local, shopping, supporting your independent shops is the way forward. Yeah. Um, and this is a great little segue, as you mentioned. I want to touch on some points about the pandemic. Uh, would you like to delve into how the pandemic affected your business? Um, and obviously, one of the stores closed down. But yeah, so our um, income decreased. We closed for a few weeks right at the start mm-hmm. because we. I didn't, I, mean, I didn't know what we were dealing with. Uh, we didn't know because it's a very hands-on, everyone's handling their dispensers. So we weren't sure how to m- really move forward safely. We yeah. opened after about four or five weeks when we managed to finally get hand sanitizer in and <laughs> that kind oh, of thing. Yeah. yeah, but I think uh, we opened part-time and we had a lot of, sort of governmental support. But when we opened completely full-time again, and everybody was off furlough. My member staff weren't on furlough anymore, but our takings were still probably about uh, fi- at least 50% down on the oh, same wow. as pre-pandemic. So we'd been open on the Magdalen Road store had been open for about a year um, mm-hmm. before the pandemic hit. So it's actually been open longer within the pandemic than outside That's of That's so true, wow. Yeah. And we just managed to get some real um, momentum and traction going. And then pandemic hit, we closed, we reopened. But people were so worried about coming out. And the government advice was to do a one-stop shop as infrequently as possible and to have deliveries. And I think with so much change, even when the world opened up a little bit, we've had so much change, changes in restrictions, children being at home from school, going to school, changes in working practices, I think the last thing to change is, well, I'm going back to that way of shopping. We've noticed in the last maybe four or five or six weeks, lots of customers coming back. And the first thing they say when they come in is, I haven't been here for ages. Mm -hmm. And it's really great to see people coming back in. And it is just because I think now, fingers crossed, there seems to be some level of stability in terms of restrictions. The children have been back in school everything's starting to feel a little bit more normal and and a little bit more stable. And I think instability is really hard to deal with as a business because you just, you have no control over what's going on. You just have to hope that people are going to come in through the door. Exactly. And the pandemic has left us in such a mass uncertainty amongst everyone and businesses really, especially small businesses and local businesses that felt the, majority of that Um, obviously larger corporations could manage because they had all these businesses to run but small companies they I I can imagine how difficult it must have been uh, dealing with that uncertainty dealing with a consumer base as well that doesn't really know what they're trying to focus on because the last thing on people's minds in the pandemic was me being an environmentalist you know (laughs) and being sustainable so I can completely imagine how difficult it is, but you are saying that it's coming back now and slowly the momentum is building up. Yeah, the momentum is building. I think mm-hmm. um, it, the Magdalene Road store I can compare before. We're still we're still down mm-hmm. on where we were in twenty. The, you know, the end of um, oh gosh, twenty nineteen, beginning of twenty twenty. But it is yeah. feeling. I'm cautiously optimistic. And the new store in Ashburton, see, it's a new store. So trade is just um, building steadily. 
which is really encouraging. A word of mouth is going around. It's uh, it's it's location. Um, Ashburton is quite environmentally minded as a mm -hmm. town, um, and there's quite a large catchment from Dartmoor with people who uh, come come to the town every week or every two weeks because they come infrequently to town it takes a little while for the word of mouth to get out so they'll come mm. and say oh look there's a new shop and then two weeks later they'll come in and have a look of and then two it's... weeks later they'll bring some containers <laughs> so it's That's slow, amazing. slow build yeah yeah but the, the word of mouth does does travel all around like all the towns around Ashburton as yeah. well I presume so yeah you can really expand your radius of customers easily. Yeah, and we, we, we've, I mean, we want to try really hard to be as inclusive as possible. So some of our food is organic, some of it isn't, and it is based on price points of things. Ideally, we everything would be organic. But I know that if someone comes in and they're completely priced out because I've chose, they, do, you know, because I've just gone for organic feed, they won't come back again. So I'd rather ha have them make small changes and then gradually as the demand increases, organic food prices will start coming down as well. And we'll be able to incorporate more organic lines. We're probably about 50-50 at the moment. Organic, That's still organic. amazing because it's so much better yeah. than most supermarkets. And as a business, you know, you have to think of it as a business. You have to make sure yeah. your profits are in line and you're making enough revenue to actually be able to sustain that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a really different way of shopping. There's so many, there are lots of barriers to people. I think we want to make sure people come in the shop. They're a bit worried. They they don't know how it works. Mm -hmm. They don't know which containers they can, they should or shouldn't be bringing. So we get lots of people apologizing that they're bringing eco bottles to fill up with biodi product. It's, and it just doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you're reusing something is great. And the fact that you're doing that in my shops, amazing. Thank you. Yes. You know, thank you so much. But the number one thing we want is for, for our customers to have a friendly and fun experience. And if they're, they're obviously things that get spilled sometimes, people forget which way the taps close on the washing up liquid or the laundry liquid barrels. And it mm -hmm. happens. But it's an environment where actually we just laugh it off. We say it's like messy play in here quite a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. We're there to help. So some people really just like, I don't know if I can do that and we'll do it for them. We want people to go away feeling that they've had a supported and friendly experience. Oh, Not yeah. that, you know, I don't want people to come in thinking, oh, well, they're going to judge my life choices and my diet and the containers I've got or what I do and don't want to buy. Yeah. And we really don't want to do that. There's enough judgment in the world anyway. And just we're just welcoming people who just want to make a, that little difference. 100% and it's a safe space and you know yeah. well, we as a society are very scared of what people will think uh, yeah. <laughs> <you know>. but <laughs> sure. that, that's the biggest thing so having a safe space like that is really important I know myself I've been to there is a um, zero waste store here in Canterbury as well that I visited to kind of yeah expand my <laughs> education of it and my knowledge of it to kind of understand how I can make that work um, yeah, and it was a great experience, and just having that all these products here that I can choose exactly how much I want. Yeah, that was honestly amazing. And one day, hopefully, I'll I'd love to visit your store in Devon as well if I ever come down to visit. <laughs> come to the Ashburton <laughs> one. Yeah, and Devon's beautiful. Who wouldn't? <laughs> exactly, and plus, um, with most people now like going on holidays within the UK itself, Devon's yeah. a hot spot. 
and I know so many of my friends have been there so hopefully your business picks up even more and are you hoping to kind of keep growing it and keep expanding it um well at the moment I'm on a consolidation I think we'll see um in the next couple of years how things go Mm -hmm. um well I've got other things in pipelines as well so I'm looking at launching a microgreens business uh Oh, in the spring um, so like actually producing microgreens but that's that's something com- like s- it within the same business but slightly separate and course. uh i do quite a lot of um i give quite a lot of advice to people who are setting up their own stores and a little bit of eco consultation for other local small businesses so that's something i'm quite keen to grow at the moment though the focus is on the two shops I've got on nourish and consolidating and making sure those two shops are healthy and profitable and making a difference 100% that is honestly inspirational Uh, and I really do hope you're successful in all of your ventures it's really exciting to see Um, I wanted to kind of end it off um, by asking you if you have any advice for students currently who might be doing an MBA or just undergraduate degree uh, on being more eco-friendly with their business mindset and how they can go forth in starting a sustainable business yeah I mean I think I'd just say just do it I think you anyone starting a business now if you're not considering sustainability then your business isn't going to be sustainable it's not it's something that I think if you're starting out you need to start right and build it from there Mm -hmm. so there's quite a lot of advice out there for sustainable businesses in terms and it's and it's taught I mean the I did the MBA at Kent obviously and there was a sustainability focus for that and I think that's more common in the courses now and I I found it really the MBA was again really was a game changer for me in terms of my own confidence I'd been a teacher for 15 years Mm. I have no retail experience whatsoever and the way the course is structured in terms of going from zero to master's level in quite a short period of time. So you, you're learning and you're doing presentations and you're building and building and building. Yeah, That gave me the confidence of actually, if I've got time and focus, I know that I can do what I need to do. And it's about having that belief in yourself, not worrying about reaching out to other people to get advice or help. I get approached all the time by businesses asking, how do I do this? Or you know if if you wanted to if how just things like um looking at carbon load plastic versus carbon for example mm-hmm. which is a huge um debate at the moment in terms of well paper bags are yes biodegradable but they take a lot of carbon so pe- people say well you know I want to use I don't want to use plastic but if the plastic's disposed of properly, there's so many big questions. It's quite difficult to navigate through, but there are um, a lot of resources to help you do that. And I would just, for people starting out or wanting to start a business, I'd say, take your time, reach out to businesses who are local, who are already environmentally friendly, because they will be very willing to help. 100%. I, that's, that's some great advice, honestly. I think sustainability is a mindset in itself. Yeah. And people who have the sustainability mindset are always willing to help, are always willing to um, work together with people or educate them with what they know. Um, And we're all learning. We're all learning slowly on how to be better and how to do better for the environment and really 
hopefully still have a planet that's you know livable on <laughs> at the end of yeah. the day and yeah. so as a collective i think we can really achieve that so we all have to work towards our small little bit and yeah. really try to make that change together yeah and and i think not to put too much pressure on yourself i have people who come in who and or, or people i talk to who feel completely overwhelmed by the scale of what they would need to do to become environmentally friendly and it's not about what you see on instagram with these perfect looking cupboards with kilner jars for example mm-hmm. It's about using, it's just use what you have. Do you need something or do you want something? Mm -hmm. Can you buy it secondhand? Can you repurpose something? And the same goes for business practices. It's, it's, can you buy your shop fitting secondhand or can you buy secondhand till systems and dispensers and things like that? Because let's see what's already out there. Use what's already out there. And then if we have to buy new, then we're going to buy the best we can so it lasts as long as possible. You know, buy it once. Yes. Yeah. Reuse, recycle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's that's the biggest thing. Yeah. That's some great advice. Thank you so much. Um, I did also want to say, do you have any uh, socials that you use to kind of promote your business? We do. So we are on Facebook and Instagram as at Nourish Zero Waste. And very occasionally on Twitter, I'm not particularly, uh, <laughs> I find in terms of marketing for shops, Twitter's so quick that yes. uh, the marketing for retail isn't great on Twitter, Definitely. but um, we are on as uh, nourish underscore ZW on, on okay. Twitter, but Instagram's okay. my baby. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I think that's the <laughs> best way to do marketing. <laughs> so if anyone here wants to follow nourish, please do make sure to check it out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm going to give you a follow after this as well. I'm really excited to kind of see that. And if <laughs> any of our listeners are down in Devon, uh, in Ashburton and? Exeter. Exeter. Yeah. Do make sure to give Nourish a visit and kind of see what they have. And do your shop local, uh, you know, do your shop to support local businesses. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure and so lovely to see a sustainability warrior like yourself it's it's really inspirational so thank you so much thank you for having me it's been great to talk to you thank you all for listening to our final final episode of season one Um, make sure to check out all our other episodes as well and follow the Kent Business School social media we'll also be doing season two in the next year so keep an eye out for that thank you all and have a lovely day bye